had a dream that was so real, you wish it was real. I don't know, maybe some of you dreamt that someone dropped a million dollars in your bank account and off you went, spending it happily. Uh, I'll confess, I've never had that dream. Maybe some of you have. But when I was younger, much younger, um, you know, I had really vivid dreams. And dreams that actually caused me to go sleepwalking. I was a bit of a sleepwalker. And I don't know how you feel about that. I should have told you that before. But um, I, I, was, I had real, real trouble sleepwalking. And my parents, you know, coming from, from the Philippines, trying to make our way here in, in Australia, they both went to work. And often my sisters and I, we would be left home in the afternoon, just sort of, you know, with our, just looking after each other and so forth. And I particularly had these, um, these episodes when I was, I was not feeling well. And one particular afternoon, I had just gotten into playing basketball. And I think I played all afternoon, all day. And then I was feeling sick. So I went to sleep. And I remember walking out the door. And I literally walked out the door sleepwalking. And I walked out, and, um, and I think I, I went over, I jumped over to my neighbor's fence, and I, in my sleepwalking state, I started playing basketball in my neighbor's yard. So I, I remember that, and I, I jumped back over. And what had happened was actually my, my mom and uh, my sister Irene, they had walked and they were selling chocolates to raise funds and I was left with my two younger sisters and they just let me walk out of the door without even any blink of an eye what I was doing. And I went out and uh, you know, did all of that and I started to walk out to the street and from what my, my mom was telling me, I was trying to hitchhike with a guy and you know, trying to ask them, can you bring me to my, my mom? I can't find her. And luckily for me, the, my, my mom was coming up the street and started talking to the guy. And the guy actually thought that I was, I was not well, I was on drugs or something because I just looked absolutely smashed and then I was talking. But it was a real dream. It, it came true. I thought I was dreaming, but I was actually doing it. And, you know, there's other dreams that we, we say they're dreams, but they're actually plans we, we hope for in the future. And then there's these kind of dreams that Joseph had that actually was a little bit of a, an insight into what God actually wanted. And we're going to talk about Joseph this morning, the dreamer. But what Joseph didn't realize and what often we don't realize when we try to follow our dreams or follow those kind of things is the cost at times that it has to follow those, those dreams. And, and what Joseph didn't realize in, in declaring these was actually the cost to him to see what actually what God wanted to happen in his life. And, and you know, sometimes in life there's, there's things that you want to do for the Lord and you have a bit of an ideal. You sort of go, well, this is, this is God's will. This is what God wants. And it could be any matter of things. It could be, um, you know, it could be ministry. It could be something that God has laid in your heart for your family. Maybe God has given you for your marriage or for your future. But what we don't often think about when we think about those things and start to follow them is actually the cost to it. And, and Joseph, probably when he started to declare these things, he didn't realize that there was going to be a cost to it. But the reality is, you know, in, in life, when we're trying to pursue something that often, even if it's right to do, there's going to be some hidden costs 
there's going to be some things that we, we probably would never have predicted happen. And, and sometimes I think when we think about our dream and we think about something that we're, especially a good dream, a right dream, and not even a dream that's selfish, something for the Lord. Sometimes even in those situations, there's, there's things that happen that are very negative and, and actually, in the summary of it, wrong. And this is what happened with, with Joseph. He found himself just, just simply stating what God had put in his mind through these dreams. We read it earlier. There was all those types where really the, the, his brethren, even his father, was bowing to him who was at the center of all this whole thing. And, and, and what he found, though, as a result of that really was something that we don't like to perhaps have to go through. Sometimes we don't want to admit that we are the perpetrators of it as well, but there were some mistreatments that Joseph went through. Now, probably if we were to take a survey this morning of all of us, we could probably all say that we've been mistreated at one point in our lives. But you know what happens? That even if you're trying to follow God's will, even still, those things still happen. And, And sometimes that could be the thing that causes us to be knocked off the path that God wants us to follow, or that actually could be the thing that propels us into what God wants us to do. And that's what we're going to find in Joseph's life. And notice there with me in, um, in Genesis chapter 37 again, and, and read a couple of verses here, then we'll skip down to verses 23 to 28, because this is what eventually happened. So he, he tells his dream in verse 4, when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren... They hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. Now, he was a favorite. He was already was favored, and, and they used this reason to already mistreat him. And then to top it all off, Joseph has a dream, and Joseph dreamed the dream, and he told that his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. And he said unto them, Here I pray you this dream which I have dreamed. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the, in the field, and lo, my sheaf arose and also stood upright, and behold, your sheaves stood around about and made obeisance to my sheaf. He was saying there's all these, these bundles here that, you know, my bundles stood upright, your bundles bowed down, and the implication was they were somewhat subservient to him. And his brethren said to him, Shalt thou indeed reign over? So they took it that way. Verse 9, And he dreamed yet another dream and told it his brethren, and said, Behold, I have dreamed the dream more, and behold, now it's a different picture. The sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obeisance to me, and Literally him and these, these, uh, these, uh, these, uh, these lights in the sky that were, as they took it, representative of them, they bowed to him. And notice in verse 10, even his father rebukes him and says, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and my mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow down ourselves to thee to the earth? And his brethren envied him, but his father observed the saying. Now, we could leave the story there, but we know the rest of the story. In fact, let's have a look. The, the, those, those intentions in the heart came to, came to fruition. Look at verses 23 to 28. And it came to pass when Joseph was come unto his brethren that they stripped Joseph out of his coat, his coat of many colors. Now, he was just over there running an errand for dad. He went to check on his brethren, and now look at him. He's, being, he, he's, being, he, he's, he's been taken really captive by his brethren. They took him and cast him into a pit, and the pit was empty, and there was no water in it. And they sat down to eat bread, and and who knows what they were planning right here. 
And they lifted up their eyes and looked, and behold, a company of Ishmaelites came from Gilead with their camels breaking, uh, bearing spicery and balm and myrrh, going to carry it down to Egypt. And Judah said unto his brethren, What profit is it if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? There you go. They were going to slay him. But it just happened to be that this band of Ishmaelites were coming, this caravan. They, they were there to trade. Notice the, the plan B. Come and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites. And let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother and our flesh. And his brethren were content. Notice the mixed up morality here. They said, you know, uh, rather than killing him, let's just sell him instead. Let's just go and let's just offer him up. Hey, there's a bit of profit for us as well. And so they, they offer him up for 20 pieces of silver and they bring Joseph into Egypt. And, and we know that he then lands there and he goes through some other things. But you notice there that even as Joseph was, had declared and, and probably was starting to plan about even knowing what this meant, he encountered something that none of us like to encounter. He encountered some mistreatment. He encountered just a, a little bit of really what, what fallen man can offer, and that's just treating others poorly. And, and I, I don't think any of us here, if I look around, I don't think any of us here ever really truly experienced what, what Joseph experienced, but he, he experienced some rejection and mistreatment. Now, we understand that Joseph is a great type of the Lord Jesus Christ. Eventually, we know the story. He became a redeemer. He was rejected of his brethren. He, he, was, he was put off to die. And what we find there that miraculously, actually, God had a plan so that he could be the redeemer of, of, a, of a great number of people. And, and God had a plan. And I want to tell you that even though we're, we're going to go through, and I hope that your desire is to do right and to follow God, I want to tell you that, that it, it's, it's not going to happen like a dream. There's going to be times where you will be mistreated. There will be things go against you. There will be times where we're going to feel like there's no end in sight and we're in this situation not because of the power of our own hands, but because of the power of others' hands. And we know that. We understand that in, in life. That's true. You know, sometimes we like to think that, no, no, all of, everything is in our own hands. Listen, sometimes God allows there to be someone else that decides, that changes the course of your life. Sometimes that's the case. And sometimes God allows that. And, and the question this morning is, how do we make a comeback from that? How do we make a comeback like Joseph did? Because I think there's some things that we can learn about here. And I want to tell you that, uh, we better not in our mindset this morning think that, no, this is we're the, just the victims of it. Because I want to tell you that sometimes we can be the ones dishing that out too. And we've got to be careful because, uh, because there's just, we have a, God has given us a stewardship on how we uh, relate to each other. But let's pray, we'll ask the Lord as we, we get into the, the uh, scriptures this morning. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you. We, uh, we ask that you would help us. Lord, there's a lot of things that we are going to cover this morning that, Lord, can be uncomfortable to talk about. And yet, Father, it's just the reality of life as we sojourn in this world. Lord, we're, we're a fallen man in a fallen world. And Lord, we can be the recipients of the mistreatments of others, but also equally, we can do the same to others. Help us this morning, though, to see the, the, what you would have us to, to see by faith 
And then, Lord, help us to learn the lesson that, Lord, you, you, you're teaching through Joseph's comeback. I pray that you'd help us. I pray for your spirit to just work in our hearts this morning. And we pray and ask these things in Christ's most precious, holy, wonderful name. Amen. And what we see here to begin with, uh, this, this really, it wasn't just a mistreatment when you think about it. It wasn't just an outright dismissal and rejection. You know, Joseph was sold off. You, you imagine being part of the family and you're already eyed off because, you know, dad seems to favor you. He was the one with a coat of many colors. And, and in fact, they already had envied him in that way. We re- read that in verse 11. But they envied him more as he shared what God would have for him. Isn't that interesting that really Joseph never inferred anything here. He just was telling the dream. He never said, hey, you better bow to me just like the dreams. No, they, they filled that all in themselves. And already their perspective of him was that, you know, he was, he was lording himself over the, the rest of his brethren there. And what I want to say that really when you think about the situation that Joseph found himself in, there was, there was a great deal of misunderstanding that took place. And in the first place, I want to tell you that misunderstand, misunderstandings by others may bring you to a place of rejection. Sometimes we can be misunderstood. You know, sometimes in our intention, even when there's no intention at all, when we're just saying what we're saying, sometimes we're, everyone else will fill in, fill in the blanks for us. Sometimes they'll just say, no, that, that's what they intended to do. And, and yet what we find is really this was a whole misunderstanding to begin with. The dreams were misunderstood by his family. This resulted in what we read in Joseph being sold and lied about to his own father that he had been slain. And this wasn't, uh, this wasn't just a mistreatment. It was an outright rejection. It was a dismissal. This was meant for evil. And there are times when we find ourselves caught in a place of rejection, perhaps, of disappointment, of dismissal, not through our own fault, but the misunderstandings and evil intent of others. And I want to tell you that, that the Bible is very careful to tell us that if we suffer as evildoers, then that's just the consequence of our own decisions. But the Bible is also careful to tell us in 1 Peter 2.19, says, For this is thankworthy, if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. So we see that Joseph, he had done nothing wrong. He had simply tried to follow God's plan for his life. He had just simply tried to just declare to them just sort of the things that were coming from him. And, you know, I I remember years ago when I got called to preach, and, you know, I was pretty excited, as you would. I was pretty also fearful of what that meant. And I remember coming home to, to Sydney back then, and we had, as I mentioned previously before, we had a, often when we had conferences, we would have a testimony night, and so we came back. I think we just arrived that afternoon, went straight to church, and we were sharing testimony, and I think I told you, I just blurted out the first thing that came to mind, and that was, by the grace of God, I will be the next youth pastor of this church, and God had a sense of humor because I was the next youth pastor of the church. But I didn't know, I just declared what came into my heart in the moment. But I remember, I, you know, I thought, well, I just said it, there it is, the, everyone knows now. And, you know, several people slapped my back and said, good on you, you know, that we'll pray for you. And then one guy who was actually, you know, fairly involved in the church, fairly involved with the youth, comes up to me and goes, what makes you think you could do it? I said, what gives you the right to say that? 
I said, I, I don't know. And you know, pouring cold water, you know that saying? And it was just cold water over all of that zeal that was happening, and there was no intention of pride there. But there's just those misperce- misperceptions of things. And, and this 17-year-old young man, Joseph, really with his future ahead of him, he was misunderstood in his communication of God's leading in his life. It resulted in him being sold into slavery and the promise of his future in that moment seemingly snuffed out. And the truth is we are as much a consequence of the decisions of others as much as we are the recipient of the results of our own decisions. That's just the reality. And sadly, because of the fallen nature of man, we can fall victim to wrongdoing. Hey, you know who else was, uh, was in that situation as well? You know, the Lord Jesus was a victim of that too. In Hebrews 12.3, the Bible says, For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. You know, he's saying, just consider Christ. He went through that too. And, you know, we can, we can allow that to stop us and we can, we can allow misunderstandings and those mistreatments and even sometimes worse, the rejection of people to sort of stop us. You know what misunderstandings stem from? They can at times stem from responding without all the facts. You know, there's, there's presumption in this. The truth is Joseph didn't interpret the dreams the way his brethren And even his father did. He was just declaring it. He had no idea. He's 17. He didn't didn't know how that was going to play out. He had no intention of ruling, I don't think. He was simply speaking what came to him in a dream. And and it's important that the matter actually didn't need to be judged. It just needed to be heard and pondered. And and God, God was the one that was going to reveal in time what this all meant. But it, it stemmed from responding without... All of the, the all of what was to come, it, misunderstandings come from other from reasons that are unreasonable. You understand that the response of Joseph's brethren they were already colored by their envy. They were already envious, uh, and I understand you you we none of us like to see a favorite. You know I don't know if you had in your family a golden child. Anyone here? Anyone care to admit they're the golden child? Oops, I'm putting my hand up. To put it down. But you know, sometimes we, we color our, our view of someone based on what we've already perceived. And, and this is where they were at. They, they were already envious of Joseph. And, and what it was, it was reasons that were unreasonable. You know, I, I thought about that. I thought about the fact that why did they hate him? No reason. <laughs> there was no reason to hate him. So what if it was favored? So what if, if that was his lot in life? They had their own lot in life. I think about when, again, when Jesus was presented before the crowd and they said, who do I release, Barabbas or Jesus? You know, the crowd was really unreasonable that day. He was a, the guy's a murderer. And they said, Barabbas, release Barabbas. You know, sometimes reasons are unreasonable. And here they just just seemed to be that they already had the mindset that they, he, they, he was worthy to be envied. And often we misunderstand someone and mis- mistreat them 
Why? Because we're jealous of the favor they get. We're jealous that it seemed to be that they got that job and they got that promotion and and they seem to be the one being pressed forward. Can I remind you this morning that promotion comes neither from the east nor from the west nor from the south, but God is the judge and he putteth down one and setteth up another. It's his call in the end. And we've got to understand that, you know, sometimes there's reasons that are unreasonable. And again, things like cronyism and nepotism, they're all symptoms really of, of sinful man and sinful flesh. And, and I'm saying this morning, we ought to judge righteous judgment, but still, let's not make an excuse. You know, our reasons should be biblical and spirit-filled rather than emotional and carnal. And misunderstandings can sometimes result really from what we see here from the brethren, just sinful intentions. They just had sinful intentions. You know, there's, a, there's sometimes a psyche in our society of the tall poppy syndrome. We all like to think that it's non-existent. It, it's there. You know, we don't want others to see me get ahead. And so, you know, sometimes, bless God, my, my, uh, my calling is to humble that one. <laughs> right? so, but listen, um, we, we better take great care. We, we, better, we better just examine our hearts first. We better ensure that we're not just going about and we're trying to cut someone down because they seem to be they're just getting ahead of everyone else and how dare they get ahead when I can't get ahead. And we better take great care. You know, the reason we have skewed views of others and misunderstand isn't because of the circumstances at the end. Maybe it's simply because of this. We still have this sinful flesh to contend with. Hey, the Bible says to not trust that. Right? The heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? You know, we have the Holy Spirit of God if you're saved here this morning. And we ought to be walking in the Spirit, but we still have this flesh to contend with. There are times where our judgments aren't right. There are times when we've just got to sit back and allow just some time to to mull over some things. And we, we think about Cain and Abel. You know, the fall of man revealed really the desperate nature that we have to gain over the other. You, you understand that these were the, some of the first children born. And, and if you're wondering why your, your children fight, it's because we have a sinful nature. But we have a want to gain over the other. And we harm because we're sinners. We have bias and prejudice. Why? Because we're sinners. And and, and I want to tell you, we need Christ to straighten us out. Because that's that, if, we, if we are left to our own devices, we're going to bite and devour one another. And that misunderstandings can, can lead to other things. But you know what, what we see in, in Joseph's life is that actually these mistreatments by others brought him forward. Why? Because God was with him. Look, look with me in, in chapter 37 again. Go to chapter 37, look at verse 36. It says, And the Midianites sold him into Egypt unto Potiphar, an officer of hers, and the captain of God. Now he was sold. So he was taken for that. He was given that and was sold. Notice what happens in chapter 39. And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, came... A captain of the guard, an Egyptian, brought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. 
And the Lord was with Joseph and was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight and he served him. And he made him overseer over his house and all that he had put into his hand. Notice Joseph here. He was sold off. He was now in Potiphar's house. But the Bible's careful to tell us the Lord was with Joseph. Now skip down to verses 21 to 23. Let's follow the story. So he gets accused Remember, the, Potiphar's wife tries to uh, ha, has a proper, uh, inappropriate approach to uh, to Joseph here, and he gets blamed for it. But notice he gets thrown into prison in verse twenty-one. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison. And whatsoever they had, they did there, he was the door of it. And the keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand, because the Lord was with him, and that which he did, the Lord made it prosper. You know, he kept getting mistreated. It just seemed to be, but notice here, he kept progressing, actually. Look at chapter 40. Look at chapter 40, look at verses 20 to 23, and it came to pass. So he, he tells, he interprets the dreams... Remember that? He gets forgotten. And it came to pass the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, that he made a feast unto all his servants, and he lifted up the head of the chief butler and of the chief baker among his servants, and he restored the chief butler unto his butlership again, and he gave the cup into Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker, as Joseph had interpreted to them, yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but forget him. So even his way of escape, it seemed... He was forgotten. You ever feel overlooked? You ever feel forgotten for something that you you did for someone? You ever feel like you're just laboring away and no one seems to remember you or no one seems to recognize that, that you did that for them? That that was Joseph. And by the way, he wasn't out in the open. He was in prison. So there he was. Look at chapter 41 now. Look at verses 9 to 13. It says, Then spake the chief butler, so the, the, the Pharaoh, Pharaoh here is, is saying, I had a dream. Do you know anyone that can interpret? And duh, a couple of years later, right, the butler remembers. Says, saying, I do remember my faults this day. Sorry, Joseph, a couple of years of your life. But Pharaoh was wroth with his servant and put me in ward in the captain of the guard's house, both me and the chief baker. And we dreamed a dream in one night, I and he, and we dreamed each man according to the interpretation of his dream. And there was there with, this, with us a young man, an Hebrew, servant to the captain of the guard. And we told him, and we interpreted to us our dreams, to each man according to his dream did interpret. And it came to pass, as he interpreted to us, so it was, me he restored unto mine office, and him he, him he hanged. So it came true, and he's now declaring this a couple of years later. Look at chapter, uh, verses 37 to 41. So he gets brought out, and he interprets the, the dream in verse 37. And the thing was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all his servants. And Pharaoh said unto his servants, Can we find such an one as this is, a man in whom the Spirit of God is? So secular king, heathen king, recognizes that the Spirit of God is with Joseph. 
And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, For as much as God hath showed thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou art. Thou shalt be over my house, and according unto thy word shall all my people be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than thou. You know, Joseph got pushed all the way up to second in command of the most powerful nation on earth at that point, Egypt. And you know how he went that way? No, it wasn't through the, the you know, following the rules of climbing the corporate ladder. He climbed through mistreatments. He climbed through all of that. He, he climbed by, by battling through the misunderstandings, uh, the rejection, the, the, the being forgotten. But you know what the difference was? The difference was God was with him. God was with him. And you know what, what, what is most needful is that we need to have Christ with us. You know, the, the events that took place in Joseph's life, it was a, really, if you think about it, it was a series of mistreatments from others. And, and through it all, Joseph showed poise. He showed in, integrity. He showed faithfulness. And, and we know for sure at, at no time we see in Scripture is it recorded that Joseph ever complained or took matters into his own hands. Yet the end of it all, amazingly, he was promoted. You know, the Bible tells us that God resists the proud and giveth grace to the humble. He'll exalt the one that will be humble. And much more precious than the coat that his father gave him of many colors was the, was the putting on of humility that Joseph put on. It's like Christ who, when he was reviled, he reviled not again. He took on the form of a servant. And you know, too often our response to the mistreatments of others is to fight back or to become bitter. But listen, yet what we don't see at times is God. God. And you know, the bigger picture, the bigger picture was there David when he went through what he went through. Jesus, when even Peter couldn't see it in the garden, Peter takes out his sword, cuts off Malchus's ear. Why? Because Peter wanted to take matters into his own hand. But you know what? Jesus was right in the middle of His will for His life. And too many times we can suffer as a Christian. You know, when we suffer as a Christian, the Bible tells us, let Him not be ashamed, but let Him glorify God on His behalf. And, and, and He had an attitude that was just trusting in the Lord. And, and notice, go, go to Genesis chapter 41. And notice verses 50 to 52. Says there, and unto Joseph were born two sons before the years of famine came, which Asenath, the, the daughter of Potipharah, the, the priest of On, bare unto him. So now the, the, the story moves on. We see that God, the, God has brought Joseph to this office of the land. He's now bearing fruit, he's got his children, and Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh. For God said, He hath made me forget all my toil. And all my father's house. No, this man was not bitter. And the name of the second called Ephraim, for God hath caused me, notice this, to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. What a spirit Joseph had. You know, he, he didn't get bitter at God. He, he didn't look at God and say, look what you did to me. No, 
he looked at God and he said, you know what, you made me fruitful in my affliction. You know, too many times I think, and I think about my own life, how, how many times I, I complain. How many times in those moments, and, and no one likes to go through it. You know, I, I remember um, just starting out in, in, in ministry. I told you before, as a church, we, the way I got in was just a different way. I got into school ministry first. And, you know, uh, my very first week, my very first week, I was the, the principal of Bethany Christian School, and there it was. It had begun, all of, the, all of the work, all of the toil to get there, and my first week, and you know what? Uh, Friday came, and I thought, whew, I've survived my first week. So I was sitting in my office there, in my little office. I say office, but it was a cubicle, but I'd like to think it was an office, but I sat there, and... and Someone had put, a, put an envelope on my desk. And I thought, wow, you know, I got an envelope. I'm thinking positive, encouragement, maybe money, I'm not sure, bribes for grades already. But I opened it up, and it was an anonymous letter with five points of things I did wrong. From a loving parent, that's what it was signed off. <laughs> first week and and maybe this was the same person but my first first week as pastor there at Southland I was sitting in the office there and it was already a boy what a week it was but I was feeling triumphant after the first Sunday and just really sensed that the Lord was with us and I got an envelope underneath with it was another anonymous letter and I'll tell you anonymous letters generally aren't encouraging and it was, again, an outline of things that I did wrong and how I'm going to turn the church this way and that way. And, and they, they were saying, oh, we pray that you don't stay long. And it was just nasty. It was probably from the same parent. <laughs> but you know what? The, I, I remember thinking, sitting there, and I remember just thinking, you know what, actually, I've made it. You know, those that, that suffer for, for Christ's sake, I've, I've, you know, in, in a small way, it's just a letter. I wasn't harmed physically. I think of those who, like Joseph, would have been displaced for their faith. I think about those that literally, because of the fact that they trusted Christ as their Savior, like many of you have, were kicked out of their families and then were just destitute in different lands all around the world. And I think about those that in history who probably just gave their life for the cause of Christ, and there they were. You know what? It was all promotion. It was all promotion. And so much of what God does, is it's paradoxical. Often the negatives of life in God's plan have the positive outcomes. And I want to ask you the question, you know, you look at the mistreatments, the difference again is, is the Lord with you? Are you through this whole time? Are you are you walking in the spirit? Are you are you allowing the Lord to show you what this is all about? Are you allowing God to show you the bigger picture? See, the pattern we see in Joseph's life was a prevailing presence of God in his life. I want to tell you that if you're saved, then you are indwelt by the Spirit of God. But I hope you're not grieving Him. I hope you're not quenching Him through your responses to sometimes the mistreatments of others. And I hope that you're not looking at that as an excuse to go into and walk after the flesh. You know, as, as believers, God's Spirit dwell, indwells in us and we've got to walk in the Spirit in these times even 
more so in the times that we're mistreated. Turn with me quickly to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Notice verse 23. He says, Be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which God, after God, is created in righteousness and true holiness. And he says, Wherefore putting away lying? Speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. You know how you can do that? Is if you put on the new man. Is if you walk after the spirit. And the the secondary question is, is the Lord with you, but is your trust in God? It's evident in the way Joseph responded to circumstances. You know, he said, I'd forgotten. He, He said, you know, my toil, I'd forgotten that. Says, in my affliction, I was fruitful. You know, it was evident in the way Joseph responded to all of his circumstances and disappointments that his trust was on the Lord. I want to ask you this question Is anything too hard for God? You know, Joseph's perspective is really borne out for us. Look at, look at chapter 50 now. We've been in the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 50. And look at verse 19. And, and notice Joseph's famous declaration. Joseph said unto them, Fear not. He says, For am I in the place of God? You know, I read that and I think about the fact that he's responding to his brothers. That's the immediate context. But I wonder if Joseph was thinking, Am I in the place of God? Like, like do I have a right to tell him how I'm, my life's going to be? He was declaring that God is in control. He says, but as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good. To bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. You know, man's evil, I want to tell you, is no match for God's good. Man's evil is no match for God's good. And whilst... Joseph went through and, and very real mistreatment, very real circumstances there. His faith was absolutely on his God. And the Lord was with him and the Lord protected him and the Lord was able to then progress him, actually move him forward through the mistreatments. But you know what? Only God can do that. You know, mistakes by others, lastly, actually brings an opportunity to forgive and restore. Because again, I tell you that this was, this was Joseph's response to his brethren. Now let's work back, look at chapter 45. Look at chapter 45. And notice verses 4 to 8. Joseph said unto his brethren, so now he's revealed himself to his brethren. He says, they came near and he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. Now therefore be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that you sold me hither. For God did send me before you to preserve life. He, he had the bigger picture. For these two years hath the famine been in the land, and yet there are five years in the which there shall neither be earing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve your posterity in the earth and to save your lives by great deliverance. 
And so he understood that it was actually for God's purpose. So now it was not you. Notice this spirit and attitude. So now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. He hath made me a father to Pharaoh, and a lord of all his house, and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. That was true. You know, at this moment, he realized his dreams had come true. It just wasn't the way he thought it would. But at this point, he understood it was God. Look at, look at chapter, 40, uh, chapter 49. Look at verse 33. And when Jacob had made, made an end of commanding his sons, he gathered up his feet. So now Jacob, the father, dies, yields up the ghost. And Joseph, verse, uh, chapter 50, falls upon his father's face and weeps. And so there was grieving. But notice the, the insecurity of his brethren. And Joseph returned into Egypt, he and his brethren, all that went up with him to bury his father after he had buried his father. And when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, Joseph will peradventure hate us. They were really insecure. Why? Because they knew they had their hands dirty. And will, uns- will certainly require us all the evil which we did unto him. And they sent a messenger unto Joseph, saying, Thy father did command before he died, saying, So shall ye say unto Joseph, Forgive, I pray thee now, the trespass of thy brethren and their sin, for they did unto thee evil. And now we pray thee, Forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of thy father. And Joseph wept when they spake unto him, And his brethren also went and fell down before his face, and they said, Behold, we be thy servants. You know, then we read that his declaration said, You thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good. You know what he was saying in in effect there? He He had already forgiven. It wasn't that he was waiting to get his vengeance when dad died. No, he had already forgiven And I think the, the tremendous character of Joseph, again, is, is so such a picture of Christ. Because Jesus, in all of his mistreatments, by the way, by us, because of our sin, he still willingly laid down his life and forgave us our sins. He didn't have to do it for, he just did it. And sometimes, I want to just finish off the greater comeback It's not when you've triumphed despite the mistake of others, but that you forgive and bless those that mistreated you in the first place. That's the great comeback in Joseph's life. You know, our greatest comebacks are born out of our most painful mistreatments. Those make the greatest comeback stories. And sometimes God's preparation may come packaged as pain. And I've said it before, but those who are greatly and greatest used of God never went through without pain. And so our greatest comebacks are born out of our most painful mistreatments. Our greatest comebacks are begun when we look beyond the pain of our circumstance. You know, Joseph's spirit and attitude was that it wasn't just the moment. He just knew that God was in control. He just knew that, that he knew God's justice. And he was trusting him for the resolution. He knew God's might to be able to overcome. He knew that God's good was greater than man's evil. And our greatest comebacks can come when our heart to forgive and bless 
even those that have wronged us comes out. You know, it's, it's easy preaching, but it's hard living. It's hard to forgive those that have wronged us. But the Bible actually tells us, you know, we see the brothers' response. They showed, actually, they hadn't grasped this. And again, we can't help how people respond, but you can help how you respond. And the Bible tells us to be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. In fact, the Bible tells us in Matthew 5.44, but I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and on the good and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. You know, none of us, myself included, are there. And, and I need prayer for that. But, you know, the, the, the greatest triumphs in our lives, the greatest comebacks come when we can forgive like Joseph could forgive, like Jesus could forgive. And, and that's the amazing thing that our God uh, gives us the ability to do. I think about um, Corey Ten Boom, who, you know, was, was taken in during the... Uh, during World War II there and it was just for years imprisoned. She came out of that and, you know, she had a great story, a great testimony. And uh, she came one time to a conference and there she shared her testimony and she shared about God's love. She shared about how she endured through that and how God was faithful to her. And back in the corner there, she saw a man that she'd seen and for a little while, she couldn't place him, but then she realized who it was. It was one of the Nazi guards that had kept her imprisoned. He was sitting there, and he was listening. And the, the, the conference, the, fin- the meeting had finished, and she was walking out, and this man made a point to come to her and shake her hand. At that moment, she had a choice to make. That moment, she had to choose to forgive or she had a choice to perpetuate the hurt. She sat there, she stood there and this man testified that actually he had gotten saved. That through it all, the, the cruelty that he put people through just had broken him and he had seen the love of God in his life and he had changed. And at that moment, Corrie Ten Boom's heart melted too. She embraced the man that was her captor and said, Brother, I forgive you. Now, I think if she can do that, some of us can let go of some of the mistreatments that we've been holding on to and actually has been hindering us from pushing forward because God means it for good. You know, God's good is better than all of man's evils. And if we just see our circumstances sometimes in the light of what God can do, and that God is in control, then even the mistreatments are actually our path forward in, in God's will and God's plan.
Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for, for the fact that you preserved this story for us. Lord, it truly happened. Um, Lord, the, the circumstances seem really dire. And, and Lord, I, we can't even really imagine what Joseph went through. And yet, Lord, your spirit was with him. And yet, Lord, you, you caused this, this great evil to become this great good that actually ended up, not only for Joseph's sake, a great comeback, but a, a salvation to many. And I pray that you would help us then to have that kind of effect. Lord, none of us here want to be Joseph in the way that, that he went through. But Lord, all of us here will, will endure that at some point. And all of us here, we have our own hurts that we're, we're holding on to. And Lord, help us to see it the way you want us to see it. Help us, dear God, to trust you. Uh, even as we consider these things that we've learned this morning. The piano is going to begin to play. I don't know what the Lord would have you to do. But why don't we take the time, the altar's open this morning. If, if Just something, if you just want to unburden yourself and just come to the Lord and say, Lord, help me see. Why don't you do that this morning? Maybe it's just a letting go and, and an understanding, Lord, help me with this, help me with this, uh, this hurt. However the Lord leads, as a piano plays, why don't we do business with the Lord this morning?